You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Luke chapter 10, verse, I'll start at verse 25, and follow along with me, that'd be great. The Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took two, of, two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I do ask for your help, and I realize that without you I can do nothing. And I do pray, Father, that you would fill me with our Holy Spirit so I can be a help. I pray that, Holy Spirit of God, you would take your word and apply it to each and every one of our hearts, meet the needs that are here. You brought people here on purpose. And uh, God, it's not an accident they're here. And it's not an accident, dear Lord, people are hearing this message or listening or watching or will be watching this message. And I just ask that, God, your will be done. I pray that you use me as a vessel. And I pray for your people. Dear God, that we would all be helped. We love you. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, a familiar passage if you've been saved a long a while, and it's regarding the Good Samaritan. And uh, we can get many lessons from this passage. And imagine the scene here. Here was a lawyer, and uh, he was very familiar with the Mosaic Law. Of course, he was a lawyer. That was his specialty. And he wanted to check the credentials of Jesus, the author of the law. <laughs> He was the one that wrote it, amen? He was trying to check uh, the credentials. Notice in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, testing him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he asked that knowing already what he was going to answer. And, uh, but wanted to see if Jesus agreed with him. In verse 26, he said unto him, Jesus did, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? 
And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, he didn't expect this, but the next words, especially, specifically two words, uh, made that lawyer defensive a little bit. Verse 28, And he said unto him, Jesus did, he says, Thou hast answered right. And then the next two words, This do, and thou shalt live. And then the lawyer answered, But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Basically, if you paraphrase, if paraphrase, it goes like this. What do you mean, this do? I've been doing it. All right. Tell me who's my neighbor. So Jesus continues and tells him the story of the Good Samaritan. And then at the end of that story, he again confronts this lawyer about that matter of this do. He says, Luke 10, 37, he said, he that showed, he asked him, so who showed mercy? Uh, uh, who was um, um, the good guy? He says, he said, he that showed mercy on him, who was the neighbor? Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. So in one point he says, this do. So you answered right. You need to do all those things. And then he says, who's my neighbor? He says, well, the neighbor is the one that did all those things I just mentioned. And he says, now go do likewise. Jesus is not saying salvation is by works. Jesus was pointing out to this lawyer that he can't inherit eternal life because of his works. Because in the eyes of Jesus, his works fell short. See, the lawyer was thinking, yeah, I'm good. I'm good enough. Why are you telling me this do? And by the way, who's my neighbor? I say, here's, here's the one that is a good neighbor right here. And it says, now, if you really want to inherit eternal life through your good works, do the same things he did. Uh, do what you said about thou shalt love the Lord thy God and thy neighbor thyself. Basically, Jesus was pointing out, no, sir, you're not good enough. And that's the one I want you to, uh, that's, that's what he was trying to uh, uh, tell this lawyer. The lawyer was kind of secure in his good works. And Jesus says, don't be too secure. Tonight, and we'll go back to that lawyer there and the salvation story. But tonight I'd like to key in on three words that Jesus asked this lawyer. If you look again in verse 26. Jesus asked two questions there. He says, he said unto him, what is written in the law? And then the next question, how readest thou? That's the title of my message tonight. How readest thou? How do you read the law? What is your interpretation of the law? What do you think the author of the law meant? When he wrote it, how readest thou? There is such a thing as original intent. Original intent is what an author or authors meant when they wrote what they wrote. The flags in this room and the bunting remind us that this Sunday is July 4th. We celebrate the birth of this country. And as our nation turns 245 years old,
We are at a time when, where America, as envisioned by the founding fathers, is barely recognizable in our day. And why is that? Because we have forgotten the original intent of the founding fathers when they penned the Declaration of Independence and when they gave us the Constitution. We have voices these days that declare that our Constitution is a living document, that it can be changed to whatever fits the, what people like today. But that is not true. The Constitution stands as originally intended, or we will no longer have an America that the founding fathers gave to us. You see, if we want to know what America is really about, go back to the writings of the founding fathers to find out what they intended to do when they gave us the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to preach about that, but we're not preaching about that tonight. But I'm just saying, America, uh, as we envision it now, is, is quickly changing from what the founding fathers intended. They had an original intent, and they gave us the Constitution to remind us what America is all about. And we are not supposed to mess with it. We are not supposed to change it. We are supposed to abide by it. Amen. See, we are not a democracy. You hear uh, politicians nowadays, and I don't know if it's just a slip of the tongue or, or they're doing it on purpose, but we are not a democracy. Democracy leads to mob rule. Mob rule leads to tyranny and leads to dictatorship or an elite group of people ruling the masses. No, we are not a democracy. In fact, the founding fathers hated the idea of a democracy. They feared a democracy. We are a republic. A constitutional republic. The constitution re, uh, uh, refrains these power-hungry politicians from doing whatever they want. You see, they hate the constitution because of what it was intended to do. And that is to limit the power of the government. But, but we're now trying to figure out ways around the constitution. You see, but we're not talking about that tonight. I'm talking about that passage, that text. We have. I don't know who the audience here tonight. I don't know if you're saved. You don't know for sure you're going to heaven. I'm talking to you tonight. If you're saved and Christian, I'm talking to you tonight. I don't know who's watching the internet. I don't know if we have uh, Baptist preachers watching the internet tonight. I'm talking to you tonight. I'm talking to uh, basically our society tonight. I don't know if there's unsaved people out in the world watching this uh, service for whatever reason. I'm talking to you tonight. May I beg you to stay, stay tuned and listen and hear me out tonight. I, um, uh, some, uh, uh, I think it was Brother Sly or Brother, uh, brother uh, uh, and Brother Oxenman said, oh, you're going to rip our faces tonight. I said, when does, he, when does he ever not? <laughs> you know, it was like, I, I don't know. I, I think the last message I preached, I was very nice. Uh, I'm making up for it tonight. But, uh, but to be honest, I, I really don't like preaching hard. I don't. It, it hurts me. I don't know if you understand that, but it does. But when God gives you a thought, and burns it in your heart, I think I'll just take it for granted that God gave me the message. Amen. And so 
I, I don't want to question God. Amen? And so we're destroying our civilization and our churches because we have forsaken the Word of God. We are changing God's original intent. The question tonight, how read us that? Why is our society promoting certain things? You know, it's because we've forgotten what God said. And my question to us tonight and to everybody, lost and unsaved, how readest thou? May I begin with, how readest thou? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. When God said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God's original intent from the beginning are two genders. You know, I mean, it's amazing that we even have to clarify that nowadays. But, you know, and the, the thing is, we're at the last day of the month where we celebrate the perversion of homosexuality. Today is the 30th. Uh, God's original intent from the beginning are two genders, male and female. And all through the Word of God, God never implied that there were more than two. Even the animals that went into the ark with Noah, with Noah had only two genders. Genesis 7:15, and they went in unto Noah into the ark, and two and two of all flesh were in his breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Everything that had breath of life were either male or female. The eight humans that were in the ark, there were four males and there were four females. And all the animals that were in the ark were all either males or females. And God never intended it to be more than two. But now we live in a society where we celebrate the perversion of homosexuality and transgenderism. And I'm afraid we as Christians are getting immune to it. We're getting used to it. We're being indoctrinated that it is okay. No, sir, it is not okay because God's original intent was still male and female. Whether you like it or not, it's still that. Amen today. I mean, good night. Just, uh, having to preach this today. I mean, try to, uh, uh, try to clarify this today. I mean, you have now a Miss Nevada who is a man. How can you have that? I'm not faulting Miss Nevada. I'm faulting the judges. How in the world would you vote for a man to be Miss Nevada? It's because we're confused, hey man. And, I, and, I, and it's because churches don't preach this like they used to preach it now. Because we don't want to be canceled out. We don't want our Facebook account closed because we don't want to call sin what it is. But God says God's original intent is still male and female, hey man. God never intended to be more, but now we have all these genders. I mean, good night. We've, we've gone nuts. We are crazy. We have denied the, uh, science and nature and believed the lie. And now we, it's being promoted in our society. You see, uh, we see it now in advertisements and businesses and city halls and government buildings uh, flying the rainbow flag. Our own city flew the rainbow flag. It'd be nice to ask them, can you fly the Christian flag? How's that? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. And by the way, and those who speak against it are now the enemy. We are now the enemy of society. 
We are the ones who preach hate because we declare what God has declared since the beginning of creation. And my question tonight is this, how readest thou? How readest thou? Mark chapter 10 verse 6 when it says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. How readest thou? Genesis chapter 2, 22 when it says, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It was God who established the family from the very beginning and is designated to be between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. Amen. I mean, how clear can you get it? How readest thou? How can you mistake what God has said? And the reason we, we, we support these things, I mean, I, I think Christians nowadays, they don't say anything at work because they don't want to get fired anymore. They just go along with the program because they don't want to say, no, that's not right. It's quiet. That was quiet. We're scared. We're scared because people from the city are watching. I'm not angry. I'm just saying we're losing this country because preachers don't preach it like it is now. I mean, good night. I'll wait to that. I'll get to that point in a little bit. You see, but how readest thou? I mean, good night. Tell me, please. How readest thou? When God has said it so plainly, and you look through the whole word of God, and you won't see another gender. But male and female and man and woman. How readest thou? Sometimes I think we read the Bible like, you know, I, I don't like that part, so I skip over that. But that's not how God wants us to read it. So my question is, how readest thou? Are you one of the ones that have been duped to think that it's okay, that it's normal? No, sir. And, you know, preaching like this gets us accused of being hateful. How can I be hateful when I'm trying to salvage a society? You don't understand that, but that's exactly what I'm trying to do, amen? And that's what every preacher, our pastor, and every preacher that preaches like this. That's what we're trying to do. It's not about us. It's the next generation. What kind of America do you want the next generation to have? Guess what? Then you better say something about it. Better say something about it. Hey, man. How read us now? Christians today are being cowered into silence because we don't like the reaction of the crowd. May I ask the question then? How read us now? How read us now when God spoke to Jeremiah and said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Do you read it like I read it? Do you read it like God said before Jeremiah ever came out of the womb? That God already knew who Jeremiah was and what he was going to do for God? That's how I read it. How readest thou? It's not, to under, it's not hard to understand what God meant. He meant that life starts at conception and that abortion at any point of the pregnancy 
is murder. I mean, you say something like that. And again, people are going to accuse you of hate. You don't understand and all this. No, sir. I'm just telling you what God said. And my question is, how readest thou? Tell me what's written. We try to make excuses for, well, you know what? Don't be so hard on other people. No, I'm not trying to be hard on anyone. I'm just saying we are destroying the morals of our nation. Because we're reading something else into the word of God. That's not there. God said to Jeremiah, before you ever born, before I even formed you in the belly, before you ever came out, I had a plan for you. I knew your name. Many weeks ago, I was in the book of Ruth for my personal devotions, and I read this passage in Ruth, and I knew the truth. Well, it just came out. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. I knew that, but somehow it just struck me. That phrase, the Lord gave her conception. It is the Lord who gives conception. A couple can try all they want to to have children. But unless God gives conception, they're never going to have children. You know what that says then? Every life conceived in the mother's womb is from the Lord. How readest thou? And so when I read a statement like that, you know what? I can't help but say that abortion is wrong. How readest thou? See, instead of getting offended and mad and starting posting on your Facebook page, may I ask the question again? How readest thou? It's very clear. Life is from God and life starts in the womb. Amen. But now we have advocates calling for the murder of a child right up to the time of birth. And we wonder why our society does not value life. We hear of stories of mothers and fathers doing gruesome things to their own children. You know why? Because to them, that's just a bunch of cells. But not to God. No, sir. Every child conceived in a mother's womb is a life that was given by God. It is a soul, and God already knew the name and the purpose for that life. We've lost the sanctity of life. It seems now you see a lot of uh, shooting going on. For nothing. I mean, for things that matter nothing. And they're just killing one another. Why? Because we have lost the value of life. Because when you tell you, the young people, you say, you know what? If you get with child, just go ahead and get rid of it and you'll be okay. You know what they're going to do? They're going to lessen and lessen and lessen their value of life. To where they don't care if you kill you for nothing. We're reaping what we're sowing in the lives of these children. We're destroying the building blocks of our society by redefining what a family is. There is a reason God made them man and woman. Amen? And stop messing with it. We're destroying the building blocks. 
But God still stands by His original intent. We're losing reverence for life because we don't want to accept what God said about life. Well, you say, Brother Pearson, that doesn't affect me. I'm a Christian. I'm not them. You know, well, you better, you better be concerned because, yes, we are not of this world. But we do live in this world. And as society goes, you're going to be in it. And the thing is, we can do something about it. By standing up for what God said. Instead of just letting the world roll all over us and not, and not try to stop them. No. We can do something about it by proclaiming what God said. They say whether they like it or not, at least you can pro- proclaim what God said. The reason our society is getting worse is because we no longer address the issues of the day. We're afraid of the reaction of the crowd and the masses. You see, we don't like it when people get offended. Somebody just got offended. <laughs> but here, but what read us down? Amen. I told him to stay until the end of the service. It's okay. I was talking about the reason we're getting worse and worse because we no longer address the issues of the day. Which leads me to the next question. How readest thou 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2? I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season, now these three words are key. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. This is a charge to the pastors of New Testament churches. The charge is is to, to give an order, to lay upon someone a duty. Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, this is your duty as a pastor. Of a local New Testament church. As pastor mentioned last Sunday. Whatever a pastor wants to do with his church. That's his, that's his business. It's up to him. But if they're listening right now. I'd like to ask them a question. How readest thou? Those who are inclined to go. The teaching route. May I ask the question. How readest thou? You see, Paul is charging Timothy with responsibility to keep preaching God's word. And then he defines what preaching is. He says, I want you to reprove. That is, to tell what is wrong. And then he says, I want you to rebuke. He says, that's to tell them to stop doing what is wrong. And then he says, I want you then to exhort. That is to call near. That is to encourage them to get right with God. That's what preaching is. And that's what the Bible defines preaching. When Paul said preach the word, he didn't just leave it at that. He says, I want to be clear what I mean. I want you to reprove, to tell what's wrong. I want you to rebuke. Tell them to stop doing what's wrong. And then I want you to exhort. Tell them to get right with God. You see, 
Preaching lays out the sin, admonishes sinners to repent, and invites them to get right. Again, if you're listening, your pastor leaning to the other direction. You can do whatever you want. But may I point out that when God wanted his people to get right with him, he did not send out teachers. He sent out preachers. They say, how readest thou, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1, when God says, cry aloud and spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. How readest thou, Ezekiel 6, 11, when God says, thus saith the Lord God, smite with thy hand and stamp with thy foot and say, alas for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by the famine and by the pestilence. How readest thou? God never sent a teacher to bring about a revival. But God sent prophets, men of God, that declared the word of God. Thus saith the Lord, get right and repent or else. I was doing a study on how a church corrupts itself. And I I took a passage of Exodus chapter 32. Let me just say this. Music and clothing are not the problem. Something else is a problem before the music and the clothing changes. If you study out Exodus 32, but in my study, I was, I was uh, music and clothing is a symptom of the problem. You know there's a problem when the people change their music and their clothes. There's already been a problem. Okay, you don't fix those two, you fix the problem. And that will change, you see. But I was doing a study on how church gets corrupted. And uh, I was going through this contemporary churches, and uh, one church caught my eye. Because in their advertisement right there on their page, they said this. We don't preach here. I said, whoa, whoa, wait. Did they actually say that? So I opened it. Sure enough, we don't preach here. We teach here. Whoa, really? Okay. You know, contemporary churches can't preach because all they emphasize is the goodness of God, the kindness of God, His mercy, His love. But they skip the other attributes of God, His holiness and His justice and the fact that He is a consuming fire. It's like Joel Osteen saying, you know what, I never preach against sin. That means you don't preach against most of the Bible. What are you, you're not preaching if you don't preach against sin. Remember what's the definition of preaching? Reprove, rebuke, exhort. You're teaching. You're not preaching. You see, they emphasize how God loves everybody, but forgets that God is angry with the wicked every day. That's in the Bible. How readest thou Psalm 711? God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Contemporary churches are soft. They're soothing And they're polished and non-convicting. Why? Because there's no Bible preaching. Not as it is defined in the Word of God. They call it preaching, but it isn't preaching. You see, how readest thou, again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, and notice the progressive day, we don't preach here. We teach here. Let me read that verse again. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come 
when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. You skip that part. How readest thou? That's what he said. When you do away with preaching, you're going to have to settle with teaching. And you know why? Because it is now the people dictating to you what you can say and not say. And because you don't want to offend the people and get, get the people mad at you, guess what? You turn very soft. And all the messages you get are all about relationships. About the goodness of God. And how God is kind to you. And all that. And may I say to the preachers that are headed that way, some of you are graduates of this college, and you're embracing this contemporary idea, may I beg you to keep preaching. May I beg you to just keep on preaching. As I mentioned, I don't know of any revival that ever took place as a result of teaching. The Bible says reprove and rebuke and exhort. Contemporary churches are doing away with invitations. You know why? Let me tell you why. Reprove, rebuke is designed to bring a hook. And you have to make a decision. That's what the invitation is all about. It's an invite for us to get right with God. Because we just heard what God said. God just rebuked us through his word. And God reproved us through his word. And now, if God spoke to your heart, let's get it right with God. It's part of the, it, all three goes together. But you know what? When you change the reproof and the rebuking and taking it away, and all you concentrate is on the teaching, the goodness of God, the kindness of God, there's no need for a hook. And so now it feels awkward why am I giving an invitation? Invitation to do what? Let's just, here's the, here's the order of service. They would have their worship team singers, whatever they are. They start singing. They sing for about 20, 30 minutes. The pastor comes there. And by the way, they all have a look. I won't tell you the look because it might embarrass some of you because you know, oh man, I know who that is. I won't give you the look. But they all have a look. They make fun of us because we wear a suit and tie while we're preaching. You know what? But you look at them, they all look the same. Okay, whatever. But, so they have, and then they give their little lecture. Sometimes they have a little glass podium. Because, man, if you're teaching, you're not going to be hitting that. And you break it. Right? So it's okay. When you're teaching, you can have your glass podium. Or sometimes they have their high chair. And they have their jeans and shirt that's one size too small. And they talk to you. You know what I'm talking about. But see, when you're just doing that teaching, there's no need for an invitation. And so at the end the singers again come up and they start singing again. And then you give the announcements and then you dismiss. How do you know, Brother Pusin? I attend those churches. No, I don't. <laughs> but I do watch it. I look, first thing I, when we have missionaries coming through, the first thing I look is they're sending church. 
Because that's their philosophy. And I look at that. And by the way, as soon as I open the website, as soon as I see the website, I already knew. I already know. Like I said, they have that look. And then I look at the media section. And I look at their services. You'd be amazed. Most of them are like that. See. But why is it important to preach the word of God? Because we're supposed to be salt of the earth. The only way we're going to get be salty Christians is to be thoroughly right with God. Let me say this. In those churches, you come as you are, but you also leave like you came. Because there is no invitation to get right with God. Why is there no invitation to get right with God? Because there is no reproving and there is no rebuking. You better be thankful that you are in a church that preaches the Word of God. And that, uh, that heralds the truth of the Word of God. That, uh, that lays out the sin and calls sinners to repentance. You better be thankful of that because without that, we'll never grow as a Christian. Why do you think uh, people in those churches never grow spiritually? They're babes in Christ. They have a lot of head knowledge. But their heart never gets moved. It never changes. I may look dumb, but I'm not stupid. I watch. And when it, things happen like that in every church, there must be a reason to it. Don't ever kid. Again, pastors that are headed that way, can you just stop? America needs you. America needs you to preach. I mean, America needs you to preach like Lester Roloff preached. Like Billy Sunday preached. And, and like the great men of God that we honor. We, we have nice things to say about them. But we run our church contrary to how they preached. I mean, I don't know how many churches nowadays, Baptist churches, can take a Lester Roloff. I mean, but good night. Lester Roloff was welcome in a lot of churches back when he was here. We've changed. And we're not going to salvage America. If we keep teaching and teaching and teaching and forgetting about preaching. And lastly, may say, how read us thou when God says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's only one way to make it to heaven. And that is through faith in the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. You don't go to heaven by good works. That's not in the Bible. There's only one way to go to heaven. But God commanded his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death. That's hell. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Heaven is not something we earn. And this brings us back to the lawyer in the beginning of our story. He was testing Jesus to see what his answer was regarding eternal life. And the short answer from Christ, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. None of us who are hearing my voice tonight are good enough to go to heaven. That's why we need to put our faith in Jesus alone for eternal life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I would assume everybody in this room is saved. But you know what? If you're here and say, you know what? I'm not really sure. I'm doubting whether I'm going to heaven or not. 
Why not get it settled today, once and for all? Maybe you're here. I don't know. Maybe we're all saved. But if not, and you say, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. The invitation, the hook, remember? The invitation will be opened up for you. And someone will show you how you can receive Christ as you're saved. Perhaps you're watching and you're not sure for sure you're going to heaven. Jesus is the only one that can take us to heaven. I was saved September 14, 1986. Dr. Curtis Hudson showed me that I was not good enough to go to heaven. And he pointed me to Jesus who died for me, who paid for all my sins on Calvary, who was buried and rose again and offered me a gift of eternal life. And on that day, I admitted to Jesus I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell, but I'm trusting you to take me. If you would receive me, Lord, I want to go to heaven. And on that day, he did. He took me and gave me eternal life. Original intent is very important in understanding what the author meant. That is true of our Constitution. And it is definitely true of God's Word. May I challenge us tonight. Don't change what God said. Don't put words in God's mouth. Approach the Word of God with humility, with a desire to obey and believe what He said. Just the way he said it. Let's humble ourselves to God and to what he has said. God's not changing. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's how we can trust him, because he doesn't change. What he said in the beginning is still true today. What he originally intended he still intends today. And our society would be helped if we would just get back to what God said. How? Read us now. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.